So first and foremost. I think the the addition of pant leggings is really when you start to see your heroes get watered down. Can't even muster the ability to play straight pants that one. Uh, which is a good argument for absolute rulers. Everybody is going to get behind me. They're going to love me, and my support numbers will go through. When you hang out with the hero, it doesn't go well for you. My grandfather yeah. took the cop and just slid it right through the bar. Okay. And that became the dominant way our family did it. Okay. And so, <laughs> in both of my marriages, they were treated to that. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, rage haiku. How do you imagine the rubber chicken point? My grandmother actually vacuumed in her pearls. Oh my god, it all makes sense. We've had the sexual revolution. It yeah. might have just been a Canadian standoff. We're gonna go back to 9 11. Dude, get over it. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands what the building is supposed to be. Agra has no <laughs> business being that <laughs> thick. When the cultists win, we all win. This is a Geek History of Time, where we connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher here in Northern California, currently doing my job over the internet uh, as capably as I know how. Uh, And who are you? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher up here in Northern California, and I have been sandbagging since March 13th of last year, baby. Uh, nobody I, can I tell what those kids have learned, ever. Yeah, I, I you know what? <laughs> I, I didn't want to admit it, but now that you have, I feel like my my sense of honor requires that I actually say, yeah, me too. Yeah, no, I've, I've been absolutely just like not doing my job at all, ever. Uh, picking grades at random, uh, just giving away grades, making sure that oh, yeah. students lose as much learning as possible. I've actually yeah. taught them uh, wrong math using my Latin class as a platform for that. Um, oh, good one. Oh, yeah, good. yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah. trying to do my best to teach them about um, uh, devil worship and... Uh, and <laughs> to tie into so. our last episode. There, oh, that's right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, nicely done. Yeah, no, in my case, I've just started drinking at like 10 a.m., daily you should do it in front of them i find that that's good modeling you know you know who says i haven't good point good point you know so and of course uh you know for for those of you who are new to the show this is our patented sarcasm in action right there um as dry as ed's martini at 10 in the morning at at well you know i don't i don't i don't i don't get the vodka out until at least 11 okay well it's as bitter as it's as bitter as the vermouth that we whisper over it there we go. <laughs> and you need to just whisper. Yeah. Too much vermouth. I, yeah. I do miss mash for that. Like they used to have yeah. such great things of like, give me, give me the driest martini. I just want you to whisper the word vermouth over the gin. <laughs> My favorite yeah, part some, though some was that, some of that, some of that dialogue was great. Oh, yeah. it's so good. My favorite part though was all the different times that Potter would just like, you know, horse hockey, meadow muffins, uh, oh, yeah. beaver biscuits, you know, shit like that. It's yeah. just so fun. So. Oh yeah, oh it's amazing. So yeah, um, we're we're continuing our our dive into uh, the the development of Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and along the way, uh, we're we're going to talk about what turned into the edition wars. I I move here that we do not call this a dive, but in fact a delve. Seconded, All right. and the motion carries. There you go. However, um, the motion is not encumbered. 
because no. the motion has a good carrying capacity. So this is true. Yes, it has a high strength score. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, and and I just I I have to say this, and it's totally unrelated to what we're talking about. But um, of course, you know, as you can now tell, we are of course both teachers. And right now we're, we're both stressed out about what's going to happen with, you know, when, when and how we're going to have to go back to work in person. Uh, my board last night before deciding that we were going to go back basically as soon as our county goes into the red tier. Uh, before that, uh, they had a six minute back and forth uh, over whether a member of the board could introduce a second motion while the first motion was being debated or whether the second motion counted as a friendly amendment. Couldn't they just ask the person suggesting it if it was a friendly amendment? He wasn't sure which applied. I could see like taking a recess till you could figure that out. Like, yeah, well, in any event, it was it was it would have been comedic if it weren't for the fact that watching it the whole time I was gritting my teeth going, fucking vote. <laughs> like just get to the fucking vote. So anyway, sorry. I, That's I fine. just I just realized we added a fourth board to the list of boards I need to go yell at. I've started using <laughs> the phrase, Do I need to put my yelling shoes on? And I don't know why. Because <laughs> I don't need shoes to yell. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if, if, you've, if you've got good, if you've got good, good lumbar support, yeah. it makes a difference. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, we, we left off last time, mm-hmm. uh, talking about you know what what uh, dominant mass oh, culture. Hang, hang, hang on, like. one second. Okay. Your board had yeah. a guy not sure if he could give a friendly amendment. Yeah. To a, okay, cool. I get that. Our board had a guy suggest a motion, ask for a second, and then they talked right past him as though he wasn't there. Wow. Uh, yeah. Like, so first off, apologies to my neighbors for how loud I was yelling um, about that. And not even because I cared about one way. Or the, well, actually, I did agree with his motion. But more importantly, he's the only black male member of our board. Are they, you fucking kidding me? Of course I'm not kidding. Jesus Because the, the the president who left my board, and may her bones be crushed, um, she... <laughs> may her blade chip and shatter. Yes. Uh, may she see herself for who she is. Uh, but I know, that was, that was mean. Um, but uh, she left, and the wish version of her is now in charge. Uh, so... <laughs> Really, like we that lost is, Karen, so but we up. kept Joyce, you know, <laughs> like it's uh, mm. yeah, but uh, mm. she talked right past the dude, and I'm like, what what are you what are you what are you doing? like, oh, I was mad, so there you go, all right, all right, Man. so yeah, take so forty seven go ahead, not to worry, yeah. so we were we were talking about or I was talking about, and you were you know elucidating and and insisting on making you know pimpinate easy puns um about satanic panic Mm -hmm. and and fear of the occult and this whole lunatic mass hysteria that that happened in the in the late 70s into well into the 80s 
um, you know, that led to parent groups being formed that were, you know, worried about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you know, there was, there was some police detective from, I don't remember where flyover state who wound up making kind of a second career out of, you know, uh, publishing a pamphlet about the dangers of, of Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games. And of course it was full of bullshit. Like, yeah, like, like I remember reading a couple of pages of it as a 15 year old cause it had, it had been out for a number of years by that time and, and looking at it going, he's never read one of the rule books. <laughs> like, so you're kind of rules lawyering a con like, man. Like there's, well, yeah, you know, but like, but like, it's really clear. He's never actually like witnessed a gaming session. He's never read any of the source books. There's just so much of this that is fabricated nonsense. And, and, you know, so, so we had, we had that going on mm-hmm. and that lingered like as a stigma around the hobby for a long time. Yeah. And I think depending on what part of the country you were in probably affected how bad it was. Um where where I was, it was definitely there. You definitely heard people make remarks occasionally. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like you you didn't actually have people try to try to show up to like save your soul because they heard you were playing the game. Like it wasn't that bad, but it was definitely there. I'm sure in parts of the Bible Belt, it was a lot worse. Actually, up in Alaska, apparently, it was so bad that it it, it interfered with the folk music scene. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was weird uh, because there were some people who like refused to believe it, and there were others who like were I don't know taken by that, and they were upset that people were trying to save their souls. So you had jewel denial. Um, singing. Nice. Thank you. Nice. I, I yeah. I, I twigged to that one literally yeah. a split instant yeah. before you. Yeah. Before you dropped it. Yeah. Good day, sir. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. So you you have this you have this just crazy nut bar lunacy going on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and this is this is really where I left off. <laughs> if you look at popular entertainment mm-hmm. from the early 80s i'm just gonna i'm just gonna mm-hmm. mention a few things here so excalibur gets made in 81 mm-hmm. and i know back when patrick stewart was bald oh wait wait yeah <laughs> back back when patrick stewart was you know early middle-aged yeah um but like I, and I know I'm going to get somebody going, well, you know, that's that's an Arthurian movie. No, it's a D&D movie. It's sword and sorcery. It's it's a it's a sword and sorcery adaptation of yeah. the Arthurian legend. Like, Absolutely. You, you can't you no, you yeah. will not change my mind. Don't try. So that was 81. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. 82. Beastmaster. 82. Ah, darn. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Crystal, eighty-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crawl, eighty-three. Oh God, that movie. They okay. They called the goddamn thing a glaive. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not that big. Uh, a, a, I'm not as I'm certainly not as big a, a sword nerd and snob like you. Um, yes. But you can't call a throwing star, which is the size of your head, a glaive. Like there are so many things wrong with just that alone. Never mind the dutch musket ap- approach to energy weapons that the bad guys had <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm sorry dutch musket is yeah. a new one on me <laughs> but okay but okay you know the dutch army when terrible. they had the muskets that were basically clubs that could shoot once Oh, yeah. Yeah, those okay. are the energy yeah. weapons that the bad guys use. Which oh, yeah. Then dude has a, a glaive, but it's not a glaive. It is it is the size of a hubcap, and it like has little things that chink kind of come yeah. out. Right? It, it, it's not a glaive. And also, what the it's shit is this? It's telekinetically controlled. Right. Um, and, and it's at the same time that they're like fetishizing the shit out of ninjas, but... Let's make it like the Magnum yeah. Colt 45 version of a ninja throwing star. Because it's a throwing star. But we'll call yeah. it a glaive. And then you'll only use it once to cut through a wall further away. That's all yeah. it was used for. Like, if I yeah. recall. And now, in fairness, uh, it, it was awesome because it brought us Liam Neeson. Um, yes. And it had the creepiest looking Cyclops ever. Uh, who? Yeah, some of the, some of the effects work in that movie was like remarkably good oh for what a what a kind of crummy overall film. What? Yeah, like the set design was good. Like when they were going through the oh swamp of God. sadness where Artex died, um, I really liked. Uh, wait. <laughs> Sorry, did I spoil the movie for you? Uh, but like how people's eyes went completely Too black. Soon. That was that was some yeah. creepy shit. That was cool. And, oh yeah, and you had like you had the bumbling wizard who I I always wanted to make that character of like you yeah. know wild magic but scroll magic you know and and yeah. I loved the interplay between him and the Cyclops who was super tall and his name was like one syllable and yeah. and then the other dude was like you know had a name with blah 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 and it was just that well big people just need a little name you know I I, I yeah. really there were things I liked about it but you can't call a throwing star that for some reason you've decided to increase by 300% a glaive and, and turn into a switchblade. Yeah. A switchblade throwing star for doing size, the size of a Citroen hubcap for doing drywall work. (laughs) Admittedly, it's magical drywall, right? I mean, yeah, you know, true, true. Come on. Good point. Yeah, no. Um, that there, there were a great many things yeah. deeply, deeply wrong with that movie, but the aesthetic of it was oh, sword and sorcery, absolutely, like, like amazing. I showed my kids uh, Bla- uh, Beastmaster, by the way. Oh, really? I did. Yeah, they right. they liked it. Julia immediately wanted to play a ranger. Well, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, yeah, I got to crawl, mm-hmm. um, and then of course, never-ending story where Artax actually does die. Spoilers, <laughs> uh, was eighty-four. Conan the Destroyer was eighty-four, mm-hmm. uh, and then Lady Hawk in eighty-five, mm-hmm. and Labyrinth in eighty-six. Mm-hmm. I'm not even mentioning Willow 
which was that's going to come a little later. Eighty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is, I think, honestly, the apex of those kinds of movies because it completely created a world. Because I mean, it's George Lucas. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. So, now many elements of that world were cribbed, like whole cloth from Star Wars. Oh, fully. Uh, But you know, still. Um. So that that that's what was going on in cinema. That was that was like there was this explosion of sword and sorcery fantasy films. And you only mentioned the good ones, really. Oh yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't get into. I like didn't even get to Hawk the Slayer. Yeah, or Lady Hawk. Which I I thought I, I thought. Oh, I you did. Lady you Hawk. did. I'm sorry. Yeah, that you did say that. And and Lady Hawk had its flaws. Mm-hmm. But it also had an amazing '80s soundtrack. Didn't it also have a sword that shot out at people? Or is that a different movie? That's a different movie. Oh, okay. I don't think that was yeah. Lady Hawk. And I would I would also point out that um, you mentioned the good ones, and the good ones included Crawl. <laughs> yeah, there was a yeah. lot of shit. Did you mention Red Sonia? Because I think no. as as a world. That shit was great. Um, even as a plot, honestly, uh, my kids won't be listening to this anytime soon, but I've totally yeah. cribbed that plus uh, the the Jason Momoa uh, uh, Conan as oh, the yeah. plot for their D&D yeah. game. Nice. Yeah. Oh, okay, that works. But, like, I mean, that, that movie was, was mm-hmm. shtick and schlock and stuff like that, but it still so furthered bad. that world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. And what a lot of them had in common, like Crawl, for example, had amazing world building, yep. but like no plot. <laughs> yeah. Or or there was one, but it was kind of feeble. Yeah, that's a good way yeah. to put it. Um and and so there's this there's this weird schizophrenic kind of thing going on in the popular imagination. Mhm. And, you know, the, the sword and sorcery stuff is very much like, as we talked about in, in our episodes, talking about Conan the Barbarian and Robert E. Howard, the, the movie of Conan is emblematic of Mm -hmm. the, the hyper-masculine ideals that are going on. Yes. You know, and you see in nearly every one of the movies I just mentioned, Never ending story, maybe not, but like practically all the rest of them. There's a very strong, you know, the hero is a dude. And mm-hmm. There's this very, very traditional idea of, you know, how, what his role is as the hero. Yes. Um, okay, Labyrinth. Sorry. Labyrinth yeah. is the other exception. No, but um, by and large, that's an easier story to tell because wimping ain't easy. Oh. Uh, oh that 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 one that one hurt that one truly hurt so but but there's there's this again the 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 quote-unquote traditional masculine ideal Mm -hmm. in several of these cases literally uh, uh blown massively out of proportion yes look at you arnie um you know, with with this very kind of you know uh, patriarchalist outlook on on power structures and how everything works and all this, 
So it's fantasy, but it's fantasy with this very traditionalist kind of outlook. Mm-hmm. And a toxic um, one at that. At a time where oh, we yeah. didn't have the word for that. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because, again, it was the water we were swimming in. Mm-hmm. So we didn't even think that could be a thing. And so so we're we're taking comfort in escapism that reinforces these traditional ideas, which, by the way, ties in really well to what you pointed out mm-hmm. last episode about uh, no-fault divorce and single moms being a thing mm-hmm. in, in a big way. And so, you know... There's there's a there's this this weird stew in the zitgeist going on that that directly affected the development of Dungeons Dragons mm-hmm. because um, the development of the second edition of AD and D started in 1987. Okay. Uh, now Gary Ix had left TSR in '86. Mm-hmm. Over. Major, major business disagreements with other members of the board. Uh, the the company in '85 had had wound up falling into a massive financial crisis, and uh, the publication of Unearthed Arcana was his way of uh, pulling the company out of that. Okay. Uh, Unearthed Arcana sold enough copies that they were able to make enough money off of it to pay off a lot of their a lot of their bills. There was there was other stuff that happened, but Unearthed Arcana was a huge big deal there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he wound up buying back a majority share of shares of the company and and did all this stuff, but then realized that his position just was not going to be sustainable, and so he essentially let himself be bought out and he left. Okay. And so that was in 86. Now, he had been planning on doing a second edition of AD&D previously, and his plan had been um, it's just going to be, again, a a consolidation. We're going to take all the stuff that we've put out in these other supplements, in the Monster Manual 2 and all this other stuff, we're going to... Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to consolidate those into a new rule set that is going to be the player's handbook, DMG monster manual that'll, we're just going to tie it all together. What it wound up turning into was a huge revamp. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that revamp was to move away from the negative publicity that the game had garnered from, you know, Jack Chick's, you know, dungeons and whatever it was tracked, which, You know, plenty of people are gonna are gonna recognize me talking about, it, even though I can't remember the title right now. And and you know the negative, the, the just the bullshit negative negative stories that have been told about the game. They they consciously moved away from it in a bunch of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I remember this happening because of course in in eighty seven when this process started, I was twelve. Okay. And D and D was my hobby. Like that was it. Right. Like now, now I have way too many hobbies to devote enough time to any one of them to be very good at very many of them. But, you know, you in, were the kid who shit. knew shit about D&D. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was that was my thing. Um, And so I, as I mentioned in our last episode, I spent a lot of allowance money on buying Dragon Magazine every month. Mm-hmm. 
And there was a lot of backing and forthing about we're going to put out a second edition of the game. And, you know, people writing in letters to to the editors, to the staff of TSR saying, whatever you do, don't do this thing. Please don't kill off this class. Please don't whatever. Oh, wow. Do, and, but hang on. This reminds me of that guy who lost his 43rd level wizard or whatever it was. Can't you just keep playing the 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 class? Like if they you like you you do. see behind you you see behind me right you see that entire bookcase filled with yeah. Star Wars books. Yeah, none of them are canon anymore for a fictional world that was created yeah. in the '70s that I grew up loving. They're yeah. not canon anymore because another company bought them, and when that other company bought the entirety of Star Wars. Um, every page in every one of those books immediately went blank. Oh no, they didn't. Cause they're my fucking books. Like I can read them anytime I want to. I don't. I, okay. Yeah. I mean, and again, it I, is, it I is can't a bizarre. You, yeah. It, like, is, it is a, it is a bizarre mindset. And, and here's the deal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cop to mm-hmm. a little bit of this myself. And there is. And like I'm totally fine going and playing a second edition now that we're in fifth edition. I'm total like right now my wife and I are playing once a month mm-hmm. in a second edition game that is being run by the same guy who was my DM in college that I told you about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi Ryan, how you doing? Um, I gotta say I am insanely jealous that you have a spouse who actually buys into it, is sticking with it, um, and and like that I don't know there's there's something really like I, both of my ex-wives tried to play to their credit they absolutely tried to mm. play um and I was grateful that they attempted but we also both knew that they didn't want to go on with it and that was perfectly fine you don't have to have the same interests as your spouse that's cool but how fucking rad is it that your wife is so thoroughly investing in you that she's doing that and probably finding the joy in that that's really cool man Oh yeah, no, we're we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, my my character, I'm playing a cleric for only the second time in my role playing career. Um, and and yeah. the biggest thing I'm having fun with is the fact that my character has already decided he's madly in love with her character, and so, she does not have the time of day for him. So you guys are really just like playing as though you were in high school. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, because we've we've determined that had had we met when we were when we were that age, um, mm-hmm. I was way too much of a nerd, and she was a total social butterfly. Mm. So I just would not have rated. Uh, so thank God we met far later in life. So, <laughs> uh, but they, they anyway, they're backing for things. Please don't kill off this yeah, class. Yeah, there's there's this yeah. there's there's this there's this consternation. Mm-hmm. within the community about you know what 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 is the new game going to look like what are you going to do to it what are the what, because they said from the outset the 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 developers the guys who were writing it uh zeb cook being uh the the main force behind it mm-hmm. uh, was was very clear about the fact that there's going to be some changes made and there's going to be some stuff that's going to go away mm-hmm. um because 
you know, the game's gotten kind of clunky and bloated and, you know, we're going to do some streamlining. And that led to like a flood of letters going to Dragon Magazine, don't kill X class. And I actually vividly, vividly remember mm-hmm. the editorial response uh, in one episode, in one one issue of the magazine was was titled, quote, don't kill X, end quote, where where Cook went through and said, okay, look, you know, a cavalier really isn't that different from a fighter. Right. Which which hurt me to my core because <laughs> the character that I had been playing for two years at that point mm-hmm. was a cavalier. Hang on one sec. Cavalier yeah. reminds me. Did you mention when you were talking about popular history the cartoon? No, I didn't. It, like how how did we both miss I, I the cartoon know. that I've shown my I daughter and son yeah. in its yeah. entirety and and yeah. was literally named for the game. Yeah. Like they and they remember they were developing an, an action figure series for it too. Yes. And there was that weird fish fish finned guy in his helmet and he was wearing like basically something to protect his shoulders, but then he was naked and then he had pants. Like, don't you mock War Duke. Okay, War Duke, yes. Don't don't you Sorry. even we do not we do not minimize the badassery that is the seventies metal cover. Yes. Of of the War Duke. No, Don't... I I liked him. I thought he was right. Okay. I liked his accent when he came walking in. He's like, "Well, is this a party I see before me?" War Duke. <laughs> come on, dog. Why don't you come on down with me? I'll smother you with all kinds of weird jelly that tastes like salt. That's right, I will, Marmaduke. Okay. That that one didn't. Not not as well. You, you know, no. You remember when Jim Varney was was doing it though, and he was no. I'm waiting. Know what I mean, Vern? Just it was just yeah. yeah. No, know yeah. what I mean? Know what I mean? Oh, that yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was the Duke so, of Ernest. Uh, okay. Yeah. So somehow we we overlooked the the cartoon. Okay. Um, so Cavalier, you loved Cavaliers. Yeah. You played yes, them for two and, years. Yeah, and, and they was, just cut it, was, it, and they were just cavalier about it. Yeah, actually, yeah. yes, yes, a little bit. I mean, not not into. They were like, we we understand this is this is you know a thing, but in the new edition, that's not how this is going to work. And we're going to drill that part of your memory out of you, all of your heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, and 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 the thing is, what, what I was what I was trying to get around to a minute ago, but we got distracted from was there is this 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 attachment to the idea that whatever the current whatever the current iteration of the rule set is is the official one and there and therefore somehow it is the legitimate one yeah. and if you're not playing that one it somehow feels lesser lesser or yeah. off. That's what's and, weird to and, me. And it doesn't and it doesn't make any sense. Like I fully recognize mm-hmm. that it's that it's silly. Mm-hmm. But it's there. And for a lot of people who are really invested in the game, in the hobby, that was a real thing. Now and I, I will don't know oh, go on. where it comes from or what it's rooted in. 
but it's but it's it's it it is it is that that attachment to the idea of legitimacy mm-hmm. that is the real source of the heat that we wind up seeing in another couple of editions when we really see mm-hmm. I think I think the ugliest period of, of the edition wars. Now what I, were you about to say? I, I will say this. I when you told me you're playing a second ed game, I kind of mocked that because I'm sitting there going, why would you play second ed when fifth ed is right there? Now, the reason I mock that, though, is not because, oh, this is new, therefore it's more legitimate. It's this did away with all the problems that were built into that that we didn't realize until we found new additions. So for me, it's a mockery of why are you doing the impractical thing? Now, having said that, I stand hard for the West End Games version of Star Wars because I think it's the most Star Warsy Star Wars game there is, except for Fantasy Flight Games' version. Uh, where you have dice pools and stuff like that because not because of the dice pools I think that's kind of ridiculous but uh, and that's largely I don't understand the, the system but the way that people play it it's much more of a cooperative role-playing game uh, yeah. and it's not as adversarial and I think that's even more Star Warsy um, but the the mathematics and the use of the attributes for the WEG version of Star Wars, the D6 version, um, yeah. make the most Star Wars-y sense because the ones that came after, quite frankly, were trying to D&D Star Wars. Yes, they were. They like, were. explicitly. Yeah, because and... It was, it was trying... It was, yeah. It was Wizards of the Coast, who we're going to get to in a minute, yeah. uh, trying, trying to take... Uh, Star Wars and apply the D20 system to it exactly. because that was their gaming license and mm-hmm. yeah and it just and I had a problem with that it, I played it a couple yeah. of times I mean it was Star Wars so I had fun but it just never yeah it, it never was for it. oh I can't do this yeah. special power yet why not oh because you're a consular and you're only a third level consular so you have to wait so that it unlocks mm-hmm. and I'm like this is not Star Wars. Like that's not how that works. That's not that's not how this operates. You know. Yeah. And and yeah. at the same time, I I I think too much of that still exists in the latest Fantasy Fight Games version um cuz it does still rely on levels. Yeah. And I I don't think levels exist in Star Wars. I And and yeah. by the way, mm-hmm. by the way, mm-hmm. that's one of the elements that we didn't come up with as a defining characteristic of D and D. Oh my god, last that's episode. So D and D but but character levels are a huge thing. Well, no yeah. wonder like we took it completely for granted because yes. it is yeah. Wow. Okay. So anyway, yeah, I, I stand hard for the one I stand hard for, and I was teasing you for the one I teased you for, but not because I'm a traditionalist and not because I'm a hipster about it, because I, I go in two <laughs> different directions on that, right? Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. this one that was made in like the late 80s and this one that was made just two years ago, um, yeah. I'm going in two different directions, but they both are for the same reason, because it comes back to practicality. So Yeah, and, yeah. That's, and that's a logical pragmatic yep. way of approaching it but what we know from being fans and mm-hmm. and from being surrounded by other nerds is right. so many of our fellow nerds are not <laughs> true logical true. or pragmatic about these kinds of things there are very deep emotional kind of issues tied up in this stuff so so there was this there was this this huge consternation 
within within the the D and D community about what's what is second edition going to look like? Oh God! And then it came out. Uh, it was released in '89, uh, mm-hmm. um, and. The biggest changes wound up being they streamlined classes. They eliminated a bunch of specialized classes. Barbarians went away. Cavaliers went away. Um, assassins disappeared. And a, a big portion of the stuff that went away was to respond to negative publicity, as I've said a couple of times now. But right. the, assassin, the assassin class specifically got nixed. Mm-hmm. Half orcs as a player race were eliminated. Um, devils got renamed. What were they? The plane, the plane they existed. The set of planes they existed on were still the Nine Hells, but now they were the Batezu. Demons became the Tanari. This is also the first time we see anybody mentioning the blood war between lawful evil and chaotic evil outer planar entities fighting for domination of the lower portion of the outer planes, which became a huge part of the lore of of the game forever afterward. And uh, the artwork got changed. Um, the the nakedness and the the uh, you know, Frank Frazetta-esque pinup looking elements of, of artwork got taken out and it got it got cleaned up and directed at a younger audience. So now it's being sold directly, marketed and sold at teens rather than largely at adults. Now teens or preteens? Early teens. Okay. Now what year is this? Eighty nine. Interesting. Huh. And okay. uh, tonally, there was, they eliminated a lot of the moral ambiguity that had been involved in, in the tone of uh, first edition AD&D. And they focused an awful lot more on themes of heroism, cooperation, uh, the Gygaxian idea of the DM being the the antagonist to the other players was significantly softened hmm. or, or done away with. And um, they they introduced Thaco, which is still a divisive term. Mm-hmm. In 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 AD and D first edition, there was a table that you rolled on, and you rolled a d twenty, and you came up with whatever your your two hit total was, and you looked on the table to see what armor class you had hit. Now, what's uh-huh. important about that? What's important about that table is on that table, twenty wound up taking up five or six spots. So if you rolled a knight, for example, if you were a first-level fighter and mm-hmm. you rolled a modified 19, you'd hit an armor class of 1. Okay. If you were a first-level fighter and you got a modified 20, mm-hmm. you'd hit everything down to like an armor class negative 4 or negative 5, with lower numbers in first edition AD&D, of course, being better. Right. Those are tougher to hit. Those are tougher to hit. So mm-hmm. if, you got a, if you got a 20, you made a huge jump in in what you hit and so the 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 table was not strictly straight up like mathematic 
they simplified that to turn it into the number two hit AC zero. Mm-hmm. You would roll and add up all your bonuses and then compare that to your number two hit AC zero, do the math and figure out what armor class you would hit. And now it, having, having lived for more of my life without Thacko than with Thacko, it seems way overwrought and overly complex in a way that does not benefit the game, the players or the story. Now, having said that, it was Thacko was a simplification of what had come before, and what had come yes. before was perfectly adequate at that time. Yes. Yeah. So, so this this Thaco and uh, the classes getting killed off, mm-hmm. uh, the streamlining and simplification of of a, of a lot of the rule set, um, and the and the change in tone led to this this really being the first place that there was kind of a schism within the fandom mm-hmm. like there there were people who walked away and said i'm not buying any of this stuff this is bullshit mm-hmm. i'm i'm walking away um and so so this this was this was a a fracturing point mm-hmm. uh if you want to call it that within within the community um, but we didn't have the internet. And so the people that said, I'm walking away, well, either they walked away and everybody in the group said, yeah, okay, we're just going to stick with playing first edition and we're good. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> they, you know, had to talk with their friends who were like, no, we actually like the changes to the rule set better and let's figure out how to house rule the stuff, you know, we, we don't like about it or whatever. Right. And, and, and so it didn't, it didn't turn into, there was not a, a forum or a milieu in which it could turn into a religious schism. Right. I like this better and your mom should die. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 You know, (laughs) uh, now, my my friends and I, who you know had been playing the, the first edition of the game since we were nine or ten, mm-hmm. so you know overall we'd been playing it for five or six years. Sure. Well, four or five years, depending on which of us you're talking about. Um, we wound up adopting it with Verve. Like I I was disappointed that Cavaliers went away, but I looked at the rest of the rules and I was like, uh, no, I really like this. Mm-hmm. Like I think this is an improvement. Um, and this is the, the edition of the game that I have the most hours with from, from 14, from 14 up through the end of my college days. This was the edition that I was playing. Now I, I'm going to challenge that just a little bit. Do you think that if 5e had come out when you were 14, that that would then have taken the most of your hours of play. Or if Pathfinder had come out at that time. Because from 14 through the end of your college days, that's A, who it was aimed at, B, think about leisure time, like and think about like if you aim it at the 14-year-old, they're going to be loyal customers for quite some time. Oh, yeah. And then well, at not... the end of your college days, you're going to have har- harder time finding games and players and stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, I so it's not by I virtue I of say that. Yeah. I I don't say what I'm when I say that it's the it's the version of the game I have the most hours with. I'm not saying that as 
like an endorsement. I'm just stating the fact that this, okay. this was the edition that I wound up. Th- this is the one that made the biggest imprint on sure. my on my life. Sure. Okay. 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 Um, I I'm actually well. We'll we'll get into my opinions about editions later on. Mm-hmm. Um. So the the second edition player's handbook was my biggest uh, birthday present for my 14th birthday. Um, Your parents knew And I'm you, trying man. to remember. Yeah, no, my, my folks, That's here's cool. the deal. So, so what's, what's, what I find funny about this uh, in, in retrospect is um, so many parents were so freaked out by their kids playing Dungeons and Dragons. My mother was of the opinion that, okay, look, if you're here mm-hmm. with all of your friends, sitting around our dining room table from 7 o'clock when everybody gets here right? until you all, you know, curl up in sleeping bags at 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. You're not doing drugs. You're, now, you're not out on the street. Exactly. You're not getting into trouble. So whatever, whatever stupid adolescent boy, you know, sexist, in the way only, you know, teenage boys can be. If there right. are any girls there, I want to do them. I mean, like, whatever naughtiness you're up to in your head, I know you're not doing anything that you're going to wind up in jail or dead from. Right. And my dad was born two decades or more too early to have really gotten away with being a nerd, but he would have been one if he'd been born later. Uh so he looked at it and was like, okay, wait, so explain to me how this works. Nice. Oh, all right. That's pretty cool. And that was basically it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was so lucky to have parents who looked at it and were like, look, we know you're not out getting into trouble. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, um, I mean, the biggest, the biggest trouble that we could have gotten into would have been because one of the friends that I was playing with uh, his mom would, uh, when we were over at his house, we loved going over to his house because we'd get over there. His mom would order pizza for all of us. And then she would go out looking for a replacement for my friend's dad, who she had divorced. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Back when we were back when we were, you know, in elementary school. And mm-hmm. so we'd have the house to ourselves and, you know, we could be as loud as we wanted to. Yeah. But we still, we still weren't going out anywhere doing anything right into trouble. You were, we were still just, safe. Yeah. We were just a bunch of teenage teenage boys left unsupervised in the house. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's the conversation that I've had with my mom about that as an adult are kind of funny. Cause she's been like, yeah, you know, if I'd been thinking about it more, I, I might've volunteered our house more often than his. Right. You know, but otherwise, meh play you know? on. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my my first uh, my first ex wife her her mom, so my first mother in law, she said the same thing about D and D because uh, the way I met my first ex wife was her brother was a good friend of mine who played D and D with us with us when I was again eighteen you know and he had this whole world which I recently mm-hmm. just found by the way uh, mm-hmm. oh cool yeah it was kind of cool I was able to share some cool stuff with my daughter about it uh, but uh, her comment was the same. Uh, she even had parents who are like, how can you have them do that? She's like, I know where they are. 
Yeah. And now you know your kid is over here too. So you're good too. You're yeah. welcome. You know, and yeah. it was a real short story. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh so for my fourteenth birthday, I got the the you know, basic rule books for second edition AD and D. And my friends and I had a combination gaming session and uh Conan the Barbarian watch party. Hell yeah. Uh and and root beer floats. Because, you know. Hell yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, and, and in retrospect, uh, the only part of that that my parents probably should have been concerned about was some of the scenes in Conan the Barbarian because we actually got a videotape version instead of the TV version. Hell yeah. 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 No, my, my folks went to bed and we were like, oh, wait, we haven't seen these scenes before. Yep. Oh, wifing. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Hey, Thank you, cool. Sandal Bergman. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. So, um, and, and so, Role playing as a genre of hobby expanded dramatically mm-hmm. in the nineties. So yes. second edition AD&D is eighty nine, and then in the nineties, like it, it all exploded. My friends and I cycled through playing D anD D, playing mm-hmm. Cyberpunk, and then Cyberpunk twenty twenty when it came out. Mm-hmm. Rifts, um, GURPS. We never got into GURPS. I I. I, I played around a lot with character creation with GURPS, but my friends were never interested enough to actually try the game out. Sure. Um, but yes. And then uh, the World of Darkness games showed up mm-hmm. when I was in high school. And, uh, and of course, we, had a, we also had a, a campaign we played for about a year and a half that was a Mechton campaign. Oh, Mechton Zeta. Yeah, that yep. we still have really fond memories of. Um, friend of the show, Bishop, if he ever comes on here, we'll we'll have to talk about uh, <laughs> some of the, some of the stuff he got up to. I'm sorry, how much plastic explosive did you use? <laughs> dot dot dot. Um, and so, you know, the genre as a whole uh, wound up getting a lot more diverse. There were uh-huh. lots of different kinds of games. Mechton Zeta is about as different from D and D mechanically thematically like in so many ways mm-hmm. i mean almost as you can get um yeah and and overall there was a trend toward more complex themes more adult themes mm-hmm. grittier kind of darker themes and like especially the world of darkness series uh which i think really marked an inflection point in the hobby overall mm-hmm World of Darkness was really deeply very thoughtful and explored some really deep themes. Mm-hmm. And if you really had a committed group who weren't just like caught up in being as emo as they could get, there was there was a lot of stuff you could really get into there. Okay. That's grist for another episode. But um, in this expanding market, TSR, which of course Gygax had left, as I mentioned back in 86, TSR fell back into trouble. Uh, without going into too much detail, they made less than great marketing decisions. Yeah. They, they cannibalized their own product by just printing too much stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they fell back into a hole. And in 1997, they got bought oh. by Wizards of the Coast. And Wizards of the Coast had been a nobody who are these guys up in the Pacific Northwest right 
they make a card game. And the thing is that card game made them a lot of money. Card game like Canasta or? Like Magic the Gathering. I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah. You, you, you <laughs> being, being a nerd, it, it's almost impossible that you wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, and, and that wound up and Magic the Gathering is, is in many ways kind of a Dungeons and Dragons in that before Magic the Gathering, collectible card games weren't really a thing. Mm-hmm. Magic was the first one that that gained any kind of major following, and it wound up spawning an entire genre of game. Mm-hmm. Like now, there are there are game stores you can go into now, and eighty percent of their business is collectible card games, and there's and there's a whole separate game ecosystem for CCGs, and it's a thing. Oh yeah. Well, okay, so. I mean, in some ways, it sounds like the perfect marriage because you had TSR, which had been created out of whole cloth in many ways, um, and it created it, it. It wedged its way into a market, created a niche where none had existed previously, um, yeah. and then you have Wizards of the Coast that did the exact same thing and made a lot more money. You know, it was, it, yeah, it did the same thing, but it was. <clears throat> neon turquoise and yeah. and purple because it was the 90s um yeah but yeah they uh that makes a lot of sense yeah so um so they they wound up buying the company out in 1997 mm-hmm. and they they closed the offices in lake geneva wisconsin they continued the tsr label operating for a year or two and then shut it down and they now owned Dungeons and Dragons. TSR was now totally defunct and mm-hmm. Watsy owned the game. Mm-hmm. And I remember now this is, this is the very, very beginnings of mass exposure to the internet at about the same time. Mm-hmm. And this is really the first time that you start seeing, uh, you know, online communities or, 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 you know, web pages or, or, uh, chat groups, chat rooms, where you start seeing there being a lot of people who were very upset and very worried about what this new company was going to do with right the. I remember. This is, this I remember. Is, this, this is our baby, and these guys are they. They play card games. Like this is not their thing. What are they gonna do? Right. There, yeah, but there now, was talk of incompetence and predatoriness. Like they're just in it yeah, for the money. They're just. I remember that. that. They run a company. What do you think they're in it for? But <laughs> you know, yeah. like whenever anybody says that as a criticism, I'm like, and that's not necessarily always a bad thing. Like right, you know, right. like you know, it can lead people to make bad decisions. But if they're running a company, yes, they're in it to make money. That's at least part of their motive. Yeah. Like. And, but anyway. and and that's okay. It's you know if you have problem with their practices on how they make the money, then let's talk about regulating them. It's yeah. not hard. Yeah. yeah. So in any event, so uh, Wizards of the Coast 
looked at D and D, and they said, you know what, this is this is fit for a revamp. Mm-hmm. We want to put our want to put our own mark on this. Um, you know, because if we just keep printing second edition books, you know, we're we're not we're not getting a lot of buy into the hobby. We're not getting a lot of new people joining the hobby. Right. So, uh, Monty Cook. Jonathan Tweet and Skip Williams collaborated on developing the core system for third edition. Mm-hmm. Now, since the basic rules had been phased out since 95, they dropped the word advanced and the game went back to being called just Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. But they cycled the edition number forward to third edition anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they looked at the rules and they said, let's simplify this, make this make more sense. Thacko sucks. <laughs> and, and you know, instead of having one, one set of dice you roll for, like, your thieves' abilities and another set of dice you roll for this thing over here and then combat is all D20, we're just going to make everything based on a D20 roll. Mm-hmm. Yes, very streamlined as far as comparing yes. those two things. Yes. Yeah. And and they turned it into what everybody now recognizes as the D20 system. Yes. They put everything out under the open gaming license, which was was a revolutionary marketing move. Mhm. Uh basically saying, "You know what? You can use these rules without having to give us any money. Just make sure to include this statement on the back page of what you're doing." Mhm. And, you know, run with it, which which freed up all kinds of independent publishers to start putting out stuff. And it also meant that they got now because of that. It's, it's kind of like when Doritos says, well, if you want to if you want to sell Doritos, you have to sell all our flavors of Doritos. And it's not because yeah. they really think that you're going to eat the avocado flavor Doritos. It's because avocado flavor Doritos takes up space on the shelf. So now those bastards over at Lay's don't get to use that part of the shelf. Yes. You're just literally flooding the market with your product. And that's brilliant. Like, yes, please come and use our system because that'll take up so much shelf space. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. That will will run those those idiots at West End Games completely out of business. Mm Mm-hmm. Sadly. So, you know, it like, yes, it is a bummer, but again, you know, all those books that are over there oh, did yeah. not immolate. Yeah. You know, they it, didn't go blank. Nothing right. erased them. Yeah, no, I know. So, um, this is where we see five foot squares and all of the modern quote unquote modern tactical right. ideas that you hear about, about Dungeons and Dragons combat, all of that. Mm hmm was codified in the in the third edition rules. Now, I had never picked up this supplement, so I hadn't realized it, but it turns out the beginnings of those rules had actually been played with in second edition in a rules supplement. No kidding. There was a series that got released in the 95-96 called Player's Option. Okay. And one of them was optional rules for combat, and the ideas that are in the 3.5 rules had their genesis in that supplement. Okay. But third, but third edition is where they got codified and made. No, no, this right. is how the game works. Right. Um, 
So real uh, quick, um, yeah. I have a uh, a version of of yeah. I've got the the player's handbook and the DMG and the monster manual and several other 3.0 and 3.5 stuff. Um, yeah. And as my daughter is super into D and D and stuff like that. Um, I wanted, she wanted, she asked me some questions about halflings and I remembered like there was the, the page that shows you the relative heights of each of them yeah, and, uh, other halfling traits. And she wanted to know about halfling naming conventions and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I actually have a source that does some of that stuff. So I, I went and got that book down for her and, and showed it to her and she went gaga over it. I think she's now keeping it in her room for right now. It's on her borrowed bookshelf. Um, and she opened it up, and actually there's a note in there from my ex-wife at the time she was my wife. Um, and Julia was was stunned to find out that her mom had ever played Dungeons and & Dragons. And it was a note. <laughs> it, uh, she had bought me that, that, that book, and, you know, I can't wait to spend the rest of our lives playing games together and all that kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. it was it was a wonderful, sweet thing, and I'm choosing to keep it as a sweet memory because I get to. Um, yeah. But uh, Julia was astounded that her mom had played, and here's the sad part for most people, that we had been in that much love. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'd, we had played, man. It was freaking awesome. It was terrific. Yep. So Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was neat. It was really neat. Yeah, she yeah. No, she really... You know, and and now she reads it all the time. Her main, her chief complaint is, um, why are there so many um, skills? Like, <laughs> why do you need a skill for listen and for spot and for search? Why? And she's, because she came up on five. Because because the game is a direct heir of Gary Gygax's exactly. way of doing things. Exactly. Yes. And I've explained yes. that to her. I said, you should see the old one. And that's when I pulled out the old one. I didn't tell her, oh, by the way, this is from a different family. Uh, so they don't they don't know about that yet. But uh, but yes, uh, it's, it's, it's really quite something to, to see her yeah. reacting to that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so interestingly, mm-hmm. um, they introduced an actual skill system. Second edition had relied on proficiencies, and mm-hmm. you had a limited number of proficiencies that you could that you could do. If you were a fighter, you got this many uh, weapon proficiencies, and you got this many uh, proficiency slots. And at first level, you could choose to to know how to do this many things. Okay. And then when you got to be fourth or fifth level, you would get more proficiency slots and you could learn how to, you know, you could learn survival or, you know, you could learn this, that, and the other thing. Okay. And when 3.0 came out, I looked at that skill list and I went, oh my God, Hmm. I can finally have a fighter character who can do more stuff. Yes, because there were cross class skills and yeah, yeah, you could. There was there was all this. There was there was wonderful depth in in what you could do with skills, mm-hmm. and it it meant that one of the things that that got old for me mm-hmm. eventually, um, and got old for a lot of people, and it was one of the big criticisms that led people to get into other role playing games entirely. Mm-hmm was so much of what you wind up rolling dice about in Dungeons and Dragons is hitting people over the head with a sharp object. Right. And what if I want to play a game where I'm a diplomat and I want to try to convince people of something instead? Mm -hmm. What if I want to play a game where 
you know, I have to, you know, craft something or solve a riddle or do this, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and third edition made a real stab at making that a thing. Yeah, it did. And, And, And relative to its predecessors, it did a good job. Yes. Yes. Although I do also remember, because we were in the middle of an Al Kadim game when that happened, <laughs> and the guy running the game, uh, whom I think you know, it's Mark, um, but the guy running that game, uh, he uh, he converted it for us, which was pretty cool, um, and then he uh, he he said something to the effect, he's like, "Yeah, the grapple rules are still garbage, though." Like, <laughs> because i mean he ran a game store you know he knew this stuff inside and out and he knew enough to be able to convert it for god's sake you know and and by the way critical hits and critical failures were still a big deal um you didn't just do double the damage there were effects that happened in the game as a result and uh i remember like he you know and that was still a chart and it was still you know that kind of stuff then you had decks of cards for it and you know they were oh, finding the, ways to monetize materials and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, no, they found ways to to make money off of it. Yeah, because they were in fact in it for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes that gets you shit. Mm-hmm. Um, classes, sorcerers yes. got introduced for the first time as a separate thing from wizards. Oh wow, I didn't that's, I didn't know that 3.0. it was that recent. Okay. Yes, that was three Okay. Uh, Half works came back. Wait, so uh, let's back it up a second. Uh, yeah. Sorcerers, you said, got introduced. There yes. had been sorcerers in previous editions, but they were just classed as wizards? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. In first edition AD&D, sorcerer was a level title for a wizard. Okay, because I remember in the al game, uh, my friend Martin played a sorcerer who was a mage weaver. Yes. And so, And that was a sorcerer, but okay. So it was yeah. a, it was a type of yeah. wizard. Got arcane it. arcane spellcasters, magic users were. It was all one class, and it all drew from the same pool. Yeah. Okay, it I get all you. drew from the same pool. Okay, um, and so they also introduced uh, thieves got mm-hmm. renamed into being rogues. Oh, and God. I'm still Here bitter about that. Yep. I'm not I'm not going to go on the rant, but I'm still bitter about it. Uh, anybody who's heard that previously in other episodes knows. It's a thing for me. And they introduced the idea of prestige classes mm-hmm. where if you got to level eight or whatever level as a fighter ranger, whatever, you could take this other class mm-hmm. that might last for 10 levels, might only last for five, but it would give you these other funky special abilities that would reflect the fact that you're part of this organization or you're dedicated to this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was an, and, and what what 3.0 really did was it created all of these ways to customize characters. Yes. To really make to really make your character different from every other one like it. So that your cavalier could indeed be different materially. Yes. From materially in a rules manner right. from everybody else. Yes. I remember though that was uh, the drag on 30 and 35 was We're going to we're going to get into that. All right. Going to get into that. So they brought demons and devils back as demons and devils. Mhm. The artwork still stayed tame, but mm-hmm. they brought back demons and devils because by that time the crest of the panic had passed and they could get away with doing that. Yep. 
they introduced feats. This is where feats appear. Yes. I remember that being a significant, because at that time I only played martial oh, characters. It was amazing. As a guy who, who yeah. like, plays fighter and paladin types forever. Mm-hmm. Feats were such a big deal. Like, oh my God, you mean I can do fancy shit other than just I swing and hit? I can hit eight people around me now? Yeah. Like, holy crap. Like, what? Oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. huge. Now, was at the same time, at the same time, though, with feats, still very clearly tied to Gygax because in order to get this feat, you have to get this one, and to get that one, you need you to get have this to one. Have the prerequisites, which are this, that, and the other. Oh yeah, 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 very much. To get whirlwind attack, you need, and it's just like, oh my god. Oh yeah. So by the way, mm-hmm. my, my very next note says way granular, very much a child of the Gygax mindset of <laughs> there's a system for that. Yep. And in a in a lot of ways. Third edition helped Wizards of the Coast overcome a lot of community suspicion because mm-hmm. it was so this, good. Because this, this game was amazing, mm-hmm. um, and now it's interesting that uh, hi Ryan, how you doing? Uh, my DM mm-hmm. did not like Third Edition. Oh, still doesn't. Okay. He, he he has run it, or he's run three five mm-hmm. because his players have basically said, "I I really don't want to play second. Like I want to. We 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 all collectively want to do this other thing. So we want feats. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's been there's been a campaign I've I've been in with him that was three five because that was what everybody wanted to play. Mm-hmm. But given his preference, he he prefers the feel of of second and he he would go into statements about you know it doesn't make dwarves shouldn't be wizards uh you know and and other and other other arguments that are that are based on you know just second edition got it right and the changes that they made in third he didn't agree with okay and again, I'm kind of painting with a broad brush, and I, I know he w- he would be able to articulate his arguments. But again, this is an example. But the mm-hmm. reason I bring it up at all is because this is an example of again, we have an addition change, and there there were a whole bunch of people who were like, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And there mm-hmm. was a smaller but non-zero group of people who were like, "No, I don't like it." Now this was in 2000. Mm-hmm. And so there was some sniping back and forth on the internet between groups about the change. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I've already mentioned skills were a huge big deal. I could I could build a using skills and feats. I could build a character that was uniquely mine and who could do crazy amazing stuff. Right. But the game did have problems. And every every D&D campaign I'd played in up until 3.5 had been basically one year long. Because in college, <laughs> oh, every yeah. start, okay. in college, every year we'd started a new campaign. We'd had a new okay. cast of characters, and we'd gone from level one up through whatever level we got to by the end of the year. Okay. So in 3.5... 
uh, with a group of people who included some of the folks from that group from college. Uh-huh. I played my first multi-year long-running single-story arc campaign. Nice. Uh, ran for somewhere between three and four years, and uh, it was a wonderful experience uh, with a group of friends I still value. It, as I mentioned already, it was it was therapy for me when I was going through my divorce. Sure. But over the course of that campaign, as our class levels went up, mm-hmm. some really serious issues with the rule set came up. Let me stop you right there. I <clears throat> I was playing, um, I think we were playing Star Wars by that time. Uh, yeah. But I was playing with that group of guys uh, and when my first wife left. Um, and I told them during a game. It was like, you know, just so you know, she's she's leaving. Uh, you know, she'll not be living here starting like next week or something like that. Uh, we're all sitting around in my cramped apartment. Um, I'm so sorry, man. It's terrible. You know, what can you do? You know, da da da. What do you need? Good group of guys. Um, previously, it had been talked about how one of our players, Martin. Um, was one of the most helpful and kind fellows there is to the point where his friends called him Switzerland because (laughs) um, he helped another player in the group, Logan. He helped Logan's ex-girlfriend move because she'd asked. And, you know, Logan was not particularly bitter about it, but also you don't (laughs) let your friend forget that he had once helped your ex move. You know, (laughs) so uh, they asked, they're like, oh, man, so sorry. What can we do? I said, you know what? Honestly, you guys are doing it. We can just we're gaming. This is good. You know, I I might, you know, need to call someone from time to time, but I'll be okay." And then I said, but Martin, could you not help her move? (laughs) And that's so Martin, too. It is. And so everybody is wonderful. Oh, he's such a kind and wonderful man. Yeah. Everybody laughed. And that's at them at that moment. All of them knew I was going to be perfectly okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and those are the moments that you can have with a group. Yes. In, in a, in a game like this, that's the kind of, that's the kind of relationship you can build with people. And that's the wonder of the hobby. Yeah. For me. But anyway, uh, carry on. Yeah, the, the limitations of 3.5 really became clear, mm-hmm. especially as we got up to high level. And I think we've been we've been going at this for a little while now. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a good place for me to begin uh-huh. with our next episode, because when we discover the problems with 3.5, mm-hmm. And I've been talking about 3.0 this whole time, but 3.5 came out in 2003, but they're essentially the same game. 3.5 was a tweak off of third, not really a new system. Right. But when we start talking about the flaws in the system of 3.0, 3.5, we then start getting into the shift from third to fourth. Mm-hmm. And that is when the religious pogroms really occurred. <laughs> In the D&D community online. Yeah. Um, for reasons that we can get into in the next episode. And, uh, and it yeah. led to, and it led to, of course, a whole new game being born mm-hmm. um, because of that. So. Awesome. There we are. I look forward to that. So. Yeah. 
there's 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 a lot of meat on this bone there there just is there's a lot of marrow to crack into and enjoy yes um i i loved the open sourceness of it all um mm-hmm. i thought that was really good and, and you said you were going to get to one of the big problems of uh of 3.0 and 3.5 um but I, I loved the open sourceness of it. I loved that there was so much variability that you could oh, really yeah. like one of the problems I had with earlier D and D was I role play this character, but then I play and roll this character. And that was it. You yes. know, and you like you basically if you're gonna be in a game, you're going to probably min max to some extent. Uh, what your character can do so that he can survive in the campaign that is built on rules of uh, adversarial uh, relationship. Yeah. So you have to min-max to have him survive so that then he can do the things that you want him to do as a character, right? So if you're really into the role-playing, you still have to min-max it um, to some extent or another. Uh, to the point where, honestly, like I still have that struggle with uh, some of the guys I play with and some of the DMs that I've played with uh, in recent memory of just like, you know, oh, well, you're sub-optimizing your character. Yeah, but it's cool and it's interesting. Oh, Yeah, dude. but you're sub-optimizing it. I'm like, I mean, you, I did I, that with my sorcerer in our game. Oh, yeah. He was so and sub-optimized. I, and, so fun. Yeah, but... But it was so much fun to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and and you know, bouncing off of him was mm-hmm. way too much fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and 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 I I actually wound up I I very nearly, uh, like the closest I've ever been to actually lunging across a game table and throttling somebody. Oh, was in was in a short lived three five game mm-hmm. uh, that was that was being run by my friend Ryan, where another player who was. I don't know, a decade and a half younger than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and who, you know, three three five was was his vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who was thoroughly immersed in it and was a truly, truly very well educated rules lawyer, uh, found out that I was playing a fighter at a certain level. Uh, and that I had spent feats on uh, two weapon fighting. And and my and my reason for doing it was because I wanted to play Mad Mardigan, right? Like, because why wouldn't you? Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and and I I had you know I had a backstory and I had a character and I was having fun playing the character, and and he he looked across the table at me with like utter incredulity and he was like, but why? <laughs> and and and. You know, and and then and then proceeded to explain to me how I was playing a fighter wrong. Oh, and like I I yeah I I have not wanted to actually grab somebody by the forelock and slam their face into a gaming table so hard, <laughs> like ever. And and you got to understand, I was in my thirties. Like this is not. Like, you know, idiot teenager getting pissed off about something. I was just like, how the fuck dare you? Right. Like, and, and, and that, that moment crystallized for me so much about like everything I've been angry about, about gamer culture ever since Mm -hmm. is like, we're here to have fun. 
why do you have to tell me I'm having fun wrong? Yeah. Like, how dare you tell anybody they're not allowed to do this thing? Or, like, you don't own the fucking game. Yeah. And and if you do, take it somewhere else because I don't really want to play with you. Yeah, like, yeah. fuck off. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, so I wound up, I, I didn't wind up sticking with the campaign very long after that. Um, you know, because, like, you know, I, I, I actually apologized to Ryan. I said, like, I, I, I'm i having fun playing with you, and a couple, you know, the, yeah. a couple of the other people at the table are awesome, but that jackass is mm-hmm. just ruining it for me. Like, screw yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And then there was, and then there was another, another kid part of the problem was I was so much older than everybody else at the table. Kind of like here. Um, (laughs) I don't see that as a problem for this. Only only more so. Yeah. Um, But, you know, another one of them was just would, would spout off with, with, you know, typical 20 something, you know, I'm smarter than everybody else political opinions. Cause like he hadn't had a life yet. Mm -hmm. And, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to put up with it. I don't want to come in here and have to, and, and either have to have the argument or consciously not have the argument. Right. Why does he get to suck all the air out of the room? Yeah. Just because like, he read Ayn Rand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, and the funny part of it was like he had, he had come to the set of conclusions that were like half Ayn Rand and half like, I don't, I don't even know what, what, others but but you know he 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 would he would spout off and in one moment he'd say something that was like so leftist it hurt and then he'd be talking about you know ayn rand and and like figure it the fuck out kid Mm. you you don't even know enough to understand that you don't know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. yeah so anyway uh, but back to, back to the original point, the, 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 you know, you're having fun, wrong min maxing, right. Kind of urge is a problem. And we're going to, part of what I'm going to talk about is that the three, five, three, five had some problems that exacerbated that mechanically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense though. I mean, three, five was the heir apparent to the system that, was again built on you're supposed to min max. If you're not min maxing, then you're yeah. you're not playing right because yeah. your DM's job is to kill you. So yeah, that makes sense. If you ain't so. cheating, you ain't trying. Mm-hmm. So all right, well, uh, what are you reading, if anything? Because uh, I know that uh, last time we talked, you were hip deep in student work. Have you crawled out of enough of it, or do you assign more so that you have too much to do? I didn't assign any more of it, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's slow going. Gotcha. Fair. <laughs> totally fair. So giving so good feedback had, is yes. is a long process and takes a lot of time. Yes. So and so uh, this time around, I'm going to probably I'm I'm going to hold off on recommending anything. Okay. Uh, right. Well, no, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that. If you can find them anywhere, uh, there was a really great uh, series of comics mm-hmm. that DC, I think it was DC, did uh, that was that was based around a set of characters in the Forgotten Realms. And this is, I don't know, a bunch of years ago. So you'd, you'd have to look it up online or or you know comb mm-hmm. through a through a comic book store's shelves. 
but it was it was a really good encapsulation of the kind of stories that would be told by a group of people in a D&D campaign. Nice. In a comic book format that actually had genuine arcs of development for all of the characters involved. Um, one of them, one of them was a paladin who wound up, um, wound up losing his paladin abilities, uh, because he, he suffered a fall from grace and they did not pull any punches in regard to him into that, then driving him even farther into a despair spiral. Mm-hmm. And it actually got there were places in which it got really heavy, uh, which I was really impressed with at the time. Cool. So if you can find the Forgotten Realms comics, um, okay. I recommend them. How okay. about you? Uh, I'm going to recommend actually different media than reading this time. I'm going to recommend that you go on the YouTubes and you type in The Dead Alewives Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Oh, I wish I'd thought of that. And yes. there there yes, are two of it. them, and many people have animated them, and they are wonderful. Uh, absolutely uh, a great send-up of the Satanic Panic that we had mentioned in the previous chapter uh, or episode, uh, and it just so, so good. So go listen to that. It's only going to give and you... so spot on. Yes. It's only going to take you about 10 minutes out of your time uh, if you listen to both episodes even. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> Satan's game. Uh, so, anyway, that's that's what I'm going to recommend. So, All where right. where can people right. find you on the social medias? I can be found at the address E H Blaylock on both the Twitter machine uh, and on uh, Instagram. As a matter of fact, and you can find the two of us if you want to. Uh, you know, send us hate mail over our, our stated opinions about a given edition. You can find us collectively at geek history time on Twitter. And where can they find you, sir? Uh, you can find me every Tuesday night on twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. Um, you can also find me, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at, at duh harmony, two H's in the middle. Um, and you can find me there. Also, uh, do us a favor, uh, hit that subscribe button, tell your friends, get them to hit the subscribe button. You know what? Go there and hit the share button and then send it to like three of your friends. People that you know would love our geeky shit. Not necessarily this episode. If you don't have any D and D friends, my apologies. Um, but there are plenty of other episodes where we take on all kinds of cool stuff. So find one, send that to them, and then tell them to subscribe. And then rate and review our podcast and let us know what you think. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's. I think those are all the places you can find us. So for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, don't walk away or we'll take an attack of opportunity. Ha, <laughs> ha,